Good morning. It's time for Awaken with Dr. Joe and Mark Hullcraft. Awaken airs the second and fourth Wednesday of the month at 7 a.m. Central with the Executive Director of Real Presence Radio, Mark Hullcraft, and his brother, Dr. Joe Hullcraft, Professor and Director of the High Calling Program at the Avila Institute. Together with a mix of national and local personalities, connecting examples in church history, contemporary relevance, and lively witness of the saints, Mark and Joe will share how the Holy Spirit is working to awaken in all of us a deeper sense of what we are made for, a life in Christ. Hey, good morning, good morning, and welcome to Awaken. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Mark Holcraft, and I'm joined by my brother, Dr. Joe Holcraft. Uh, Dr. Joe, good morning, brother. How are you doing? I am doing well, as always. Great to be with you. Awesome. Good to be with you, too, Joe. Thank you. Um, so, diving into today, there's, there's, there's much to cover. I'm excited about today. Joe, today's kind of a part two to also um, uh, a part one of two weeks ago, which, you know, in the movie world, part one is usually better. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> as we dive into part two, we'll see what happens. We'll see. Uh, we'll leave it up to the people. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Mark, you know, <laughs> it depends on the franchise. And I think you just opened up Pandora's box. <laughs> That's a whole other conversation. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um but but all that being said, and, and, and joking aside, we are kind of a part two that we're diving into Sunday, what the gift of Sunday is, what Sunday means. And so uh, I'm excited to dive into that. But before we do, Joe, let's begin in prayer, and then we'll jump into our the scripture for the day, which is taken from Matthew chapter 12. Uh, so let's begin. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you for this morning. We ask for your Holy Spirit to guide us. Be our wisdom, Lord. Be our prudence. Be our understanding. And give us the grace to dive ever deeper into your holy word, your sanctified word, the word that, that moves us and compels us uh, to be obedient, to be faithful, to be imitators of you, and be imitators of your Son. So, Father, we ask that you but in all things and in all ways, draws closer to you through your Son and through our Blessed Lady, this uh, Holy Mother. So Mary, please draw us to your Son too, and in so doing, draw us to the Father. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So, uh, Joe, we're talking uh, the, the gift of Sunday. And I mentioned going into chapter 12 of Matthew. Um, two weeks ago, we started, we picked up with verses 1 to 8, picking grain on the Sabbath, right? And so, mm -hmm. just for our listeners... We'll pick up from there, verses 9 uh, to 14. You know, in, in the scriptures, when you have like a little subheading, it says the man with a withered hand. And so um, we'll pick up from there, verse 9. Moving on from there, he went into their synagogue, and behold, there was a man there who had a withered hand. They questioned him, 
Is it lawful to cure on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him? He said to them, Which one of you who has a sheep that falls into a pit on the Sabbath will not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable a person is than a sheep? So it is lawful to do so it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and it was restored as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and took counsel against him to put him to death. And that's where we leave from verse 19. And so, and Joe, just a quick, for our listeners just tuning in, uh, welcome to Awaken. And we're talking, or picking up from Matthew chapter 12, verses 9 to 14. And I think it's just worth noting, because sometimes you pick up mid-story, Joe, you don't always know, okay, who are the players in here? And so when it says, and behold, there was a man there with a withered hand, they questioned him. Him was Jesus, not the withered, the man with the withered hand. Uh, and who was doing the question? Of course, the Pharisees. And so, yeah. Um, but there it is, Joe. Is it lawful to cure on the Sabbath? And then this is this is the question they asked Jesus, and which, of course, classic Jesus answers with an answer. You know, Joe, through our Awakened series, I think I'm becoming pretty good about answering with an an- a question, <laughs> giving an answer with the question. Uh, so yeah, he answers yeah. with the question, I should say. So he said to them, which one of you who has a sheep that falls into a pit on the Sabbath will not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable a person is than a sheep? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Mark, it's worth noting before we jump into the, the, the text here, uh, only because I, I, I was asked a question recently, unrelated to Awaken, but certainly to the topic. Not only why does Jesus ask so many questions, but the person inquiring to me said, you know, I, I've tried to do the same, but um, I've been told that I, I, I always come across as uh, um, holier than thou when I do it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And yeah. I, I thought that to be an interesting observation. And it really reminds us um, not to stop asking questions as Jesus did, but make sure we are a, a people of prayer and in that disposition in which... Um, we are not only receiving uh, the, the questions or observations about the faith as we need to, but that as we respond to them, we don't come across as holier than thou or all-knowing or arrogant, you know. But as we've noted in the past year on this program, Mark, um, as Peter reminds us, to ask questions in gentleness and reverence, inquiring the invitation. Now, is this the case with Jesus and the Pharisees? I suppose on a level, Jesus is probably you know, sick and tired of, of the, these entrapments with the Pharisees. Um, but on another, no doubt, I'd imagine, I think a lot of movies about our Lord and the Bible in general really do capture uh, the, the holiness that is Jesus Christ, right? Jesus Christ is the essence, the quintessence of holiness. And um, so if we are steeped in holiness, the manner in which we ask the question will be, um, <laughs> in the tone it needs to be. <laughs> so a- anyhow, Mark, uh, to jump into this text here, because certainly there's a lot here, and there's a couple of questions asked by our audience, which I, I am grateful for, specific to Sunday. Um, so we, we last week, or uh, last program, had the confrontation between the Pharisees and, and our Lord regarding picking the grade on the Sabbath. Now, after this confrontation, what happens? Well, now Jesus goes into their synagogue. So there's been a movement, right? Mark, Jesus goes into their synagogue 
where he encounters a man with a withered hand. And the Pharisees asked Jesus, is it lawful to cure on the Sabbath? Now, what's important for us to note, Mark, is that the Old Testament itself does not outlaw healing on the Sabbath. This was another question I've received in the past. It does not outlaw healing on the Sabbath. And healing is not one of the 39 acts later specified by the rabbis as unlawful on the Sabbath, as it's recorded in, um, in the um, Shabbat. But it's later Jewish tradition that viewed medical assistance on uh, the Sabbath as permissible only in emergency cases, not life-threatening conditions, which certainly, Mark, uh, would include having a withered hand, right? Th this would be treated after the Sabbath uh, rest. So just for context there, I think that's important. Yeah. Um, certainly this, it seems, would be the opinion of the Pharisees. No doubt you hear it. And the text, and certainly, Mark, in the Greek, it actually comes through as this kind of hostile tone. Again, in the English language, it's hard for us to grasp this, but um, in the Hebrew and Greeks, we certainly get that. So there's, there is, in this case, from the Pharisees to Jesus, a hostile tone. Um, they, in the end, we know, want to gain legal evidence against our Lord. So, as the verse says, they might accuse him. This is a plotting. This is an entrapment. And so they ask their question in order to provoke Jesus, hoping he will perform this healing. Now, Jesus, as we've discussed already, Mark, responds by noting that they themselves would rescue one of their sheep if it fell into a pit on the Sabbath. So essentially, he is saying, if a Jew would save livestock on the Sabbath, how much more should he rescue a man from physical suffering on the Sabbath? For a person, obviously, is much more valuable than a sheep. And so he then, of course, concludes it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. So Jesus keeps the Sabbath while rejecting the Pharisaic view of what Sabbath observance requires. Now, as we reflect into this, Mark, there is a very important question that arises in the Christian heart and in the Catholic heart. And that is work on Sunday, right? Something we, we started to get into um, last program. We talked about the importance of us as, as Christians and Catholics withdrawing from, you know, earthly tasks that kind of preoccupy us um, from the week and really enter into God's Sabbath rest. But at the same time, as we talked about rest, Mark, being this joyful participation in the life of God. Because remember, when God rests, he's not entering into some kind of divine siesta. No, he's, he's, he's sharing in the, in the very good of creation itself. I kind of like that image of, of divine siesta, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What does the, that look like? <laughs> the, the afternoon rest that lasts many hours. No, no. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> uh, no, keep going, keep going. Yeah, no, no. And so ultimately, as we talk about this, this participation, the good and, and, and participation and the joy that is God's creation, um, we at the same time must remember that as Jesus says in this text that you read for us today, this morning, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath, right? In fact, Sunday is a day well suited for charitable works. And this is the question I've received, uh, one of two. Um, is it good to then do, you know, 
corporal works of mercy on Sunday? And, and the answer is yes. In fact, in the Catechism, Mark, paragraph 2185 or 2186, it, it explicitly says that the Christian should pursue good works on Sunday, should should pursue good works and humble service of the sick, the infirm, and the elderly on Sunday. And so Sunday is a particularly good day to volunteer at our local soup kitchen, give alms to the poor, visit the sick, um, just not in hospitals, but um, as a, something I think... <laughs> is very, very important um, convalescent homes. I don't know if we've talked about it before, Mark, but if if loneliness is the disease of 2022 in the West, as Mother Teresa says, certainly nursing homes, I think, is a place we need to be going Yeah. Um, in in the realm of the corporal works of mercy. And that, Mark... Exactly, we're, we're talking corporal works of mercy here, yeah. Yeah, and, and just to close out the thought, you know, and, and I, I, I pulled up something from Mother Teresa because I just, I loved this this piece from Mother Teresa and, and how we are made to enter into this mystery on, say, uh, on Sunday. You know, she was asked, on one occasion, do you expect to change the world? And her response was simple. You know, if you can't feed 100, then feed one and be present to the one. Right? And in, in that mode, we can come to, to understand that the deeper mystery that is the life of St. Teresa of Calcutta, right? It's not, of course, how much you do, but the love you put into what you do, which, as we've said in another context in the past, Mark, it's never about quantitative renewal, but the qualitative renewal that leads to the quantitative, quantitative renewal. Um, you know, C.S. Lewis says, the smallest good act today is the capture of a strategic point from which a few months later, you may be able to go on to victories you never dreamed of. You know, that, that good increases that compound interest. Sunday is a good day to be thinking about this, Mark, because unlike any other day that is caught up in the rustle bustle of, of what needs to get done, it's a day set aside for God. And, you know, in, re in reflecting upon participating in God's creation, joyfully participating in God's creation, joyfully entering into leisure with one another. Um, you know, we say corporal work of mercy. It's a work to the extent that we participate in God, right? The reality is, Mark, yeah, yeah. it's a joy to, to go to the elderly and, and to, to visit the, the lonely and to, to share and... Um, communion with God's sons and daughters, right? And, and so this is something we need to be thinking about for sure on Sunday. And Joe, I, I would note the primacy of Sunday to pray, you know, because I, 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 can, I can picture many conversations with Catholics, good people, good men, good women, who they find their comfort in the work um, and not the rest, you know? Yeah. And so it, it's not to bypass the primacy of prayer for Sunday, as you know, the part of the Sabbath experience is worship at Mass for Catholics, right? And so to first engage, like, okay, but it, even in the works of mercy, the corporal works of mercy, um, I'm loving what you're saying, Joe. I'm it, just a reminder. It's almost one of those, like, um, but just to make, to make sure we've covered our bases, you know? Oh, uh, we, it's we, not yeah, that you were no. dictating otherwise in any way, but for our listeners, um, just to affirm um, no, the primacy of Mass 
is the core of the Sabbath and how we that oneness with the Lord do this in remembrance of me and we're one member with him you know in the mass we encounter that we receive holy communion we hear his you know we talked about divine siesta we hear his divine word you know yeah yeah and so just to well, engage in that because then it's yeah. it's there that the corporate works when they flow from that that's when it all makes sense you know and because there are there are there are busy bodies where well i don't and i'm i'm a good person i don't go to mass you know but i'll go to help people help people and then joe before we know it we're, we're actually redefining even in the spiritual sense the word good you know and um so it just it's just to be cautious and aware of that um go ahead well, and what do we well i was just going to say and you know to, to part two just kind of looking at t- today's reflection as an outgrowth of the program two weeks ago as we spoke to the mass but certainly rightfully so mark you you bring it up because it is foundational and, and i'm glad you did for for the obvious reason that prayer is is foundational to you and i but to to remind our listeners that liturgy itself mark liturgia Right, is it's a word that means you know public good work. How is liturgy itself a work? Um, well, it it's the work that is the transformation of our hearts. Right, that we as we speak to it as a public work is the work of God moving in the world. Certainly, first and foremost on the altar, and then in receiving Him. But as we our hearts, as we in our hearts are transformed. We then go forward and proclaim that good work that is the liturgy itself. So certainly there's a direct um, relationship there. And it's to remember, you know, the catechism in its spiritual works of mercy, as it references it, it does note that praying for the living and the dead is really the foundational work of mercy in the spiritual life. And so then all of the recent popes have talked about this just not Pope Francis, but Benedict, John Paul II, have noted the priority of praying for the living and the dead as foundational because prayer is at the center of what we do. And it's interesting, Mark, because as we've talked before at length, because we we uh, we went through my book, <laughs> that when you when you look at First Timothy two one to five and Philippians four verses six to seven, these are passages that specifically talk about making a request known to God. But what's the context? The context is the mass. It's in Thanksgiving with Thanksgiving. So yes, certainly the the first the great spiritual work of mercy, praying for living dead, is at the core of what we're talking about. But in the action, out from that mark, certainly, you know, as the question is asked. Is it okay to uh, to visit the sick, to uh, go to the elderly, to go to the local soup kitchen? Yes, absolutely. Um, and it is so because it is good to do work on the Sabbath. And, and it's good to do work on the Sabbath to the extent that we are sharing and entering into the mystery of God, which, of course, Mark, as you highlight, certainly flows from the Mass itself. What and Joe, we have just a few seconds before our first break, and so I, I, when we come back, I want to I want to pick up on a comment you made very early on in regards to um, how we speak, how we speak, and what we share, like that we don't come off as if we're know it alls. You know, that's my phrase. But so stay with us sure. on Awaken on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be. Right- hey, Joe, give me just a minute here. Sure. 
Hey, thanks, Joe. Yeah. How did you, Joe, how did you put it when you said a person's feedback to you was, or had made a comment, and it wasn't tied to awaken, but, and sometimes um, his comment was, you didn't say no at all, but. Oh. Um, Productions. Learn more at stlukeproductions.com. Arrogant and all knowing. Welcome Believe back to Awaken on the Real Presence Radio Network. Now back to more lively, faith-filled conversation with Mark and Dr. Joe Hallcraft. So welcome back. I'm one of your hosts, Mark Hallcraft, joined with Dr. Joe Hallcraft. Uh, we're having a provocative discussion. I'll tell you why I use that word in a minute, because it's really, I mean, maybe it's provocative, but not so much. But Joe, uh, we're talking the Gospel of Matthew chapter 12. Uh, healing the man with the withered hand. Uh, why do I bring up the word provocative? Because it's kind of funny, actually, Joe, you and I did talk about that a little bit recently. Um, but, and I say recently in one of our recent programs, but you talked about the the feedback that you had in one of the persons that sometimes, like, in in how we're communicating ourselves, that sometimes it can come off um, just really... Uh, like 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 a know-it-all or just all-knowing and um, i think there's something in, really important with that even if it's not intentional uh i was recently joe i was just recently just watching an interview with father mike schmitz and megan kelly i don't know if you know the name megan kelly oh, sure. um yeah, yeah mainstream yeah. media formerly with yeah. uh fox news and whatnot um yeah. so um it was really interesting to hear she she was asking Father Mike Schmitz great questions, and we're blessed with Father Mike's uh, programming on Real Presence Radio, uh, along with, and I know he does a lot of stuff all over the country, outside the country, uh, very busy guy, so we're blessed with, his, with him from time to time. Anyhow, uh, so Megan Kelly's interviewing him and uh, asks him some tough questions on TV and through her blog and or, uh, through the, uh, the podcast, and is like, whoo, and how he was able to respond, because it, it, it put him in a tough spot, which, of course, you know, this is what reporters do, and, and that's part of their job. Sure. That's a hard question. And he responded with such gentleness, mm. um, in, in particular, mm. in light of some of her own history, in light of, you know, of the faith, because she, she very much is desiring to engage the Catholic life, which mm. I found uh, interesting. And... I, part of the joke is they were using the word provocative and their discussion was provocative, hence why I threw that out there. But in that regard, mm. Joe, um, just that what came to mind, as you said, you know, because sometimes without any intention, uh, not just a, and I, within our conversations, but in the, all kinds of conversations that we're having with people who might ask questions uh, of the faith or they're, they're coming from a place that has a history and a story. And this, this is our listeners. Every, for all of us, we're all coming from a place that is a part of a story. And sometimes that story is wounded. It's hurtful. Um, it's still uh, trying to... Us making that effort to get ourselves out of whatever past we have. Uh, seeking the healing that we might need. And so just the word that came to mind, Joe, as you are talking, is was mercy. Mm. You know, And so then mm. that we're the transition mm -hmm. to works of mercy there really is a natural progression and i think it's worth 
I just want to go back to that is part of the healing and part of God's healing plan for us on Sunday, certainly in this day of rest, that oneness with the Lord so that we can know, you know the sheep would know the shepherd. We would know the good shepherd. You know, the, my, my sheep know my voice and uh, my... Um, uh, I just, I'm not, <laughs> I about ruined the, this phrase though. My sheep know me and I know my sheep, right? And, and they're going to know his voice. And so they're, they're going to know when that voice is spoken with mercy that that's going to be one of those true signs of the Lord. You know, that, mm. that almost that, that um, non-judgmental encounter and experience. And yet there's something piercing that's changing from within that in such a way that only the Lord can do such a thing. And so then, then the, the corporal works of mercy also become a part of that healing for us or for our story or it makes straight our story gets us back online in the right way. Um, and, and this is the nature of Sunday. You know, it, you know, it's a, for lack of better words, it's a major recalibration for us mm-hmm. every week, mm-hmm. you know? And so this, the, the, maybe that's some of my layman's terms <laughs> in regards to no, Sunday, that's, yeah, but I think it's and, important. And, uh, yeah. And I love what you're, what you're doing there, Mark. I mean, when you look at uh, the Sabbath, Holy Sunday, um, obviously, you know, as touched upon last week, you go back to the book of Genesis and, and the story of creation and the seven days. Creation itself, Mark, is the first love letter to man, right? It's the first love mm-hmm. story that, that God gave to man. And you use the word story, and it's really important because in the end, what we are made to understand is we can't get out of our own story by manipulating uh, the faith so as to make it outside of ourselves, as, as, as if the faith doesn't have every implication in who we are and what we do when it, has every, uh, when it does have every implication in who we are and what we do. And it's to then say, Mark, if, if <laughs> Sunday is the emphatic exclamation point to God's first love letter to man, how how better to enter into that love story than to to start right on Sunday, uh, and which is to start with the worship of the one true God that we might enter into a bridal union with our Lord and Savior, that His very body, blood, soul, and divinity might be streaming through our veins, that going out from Uh, the churches we go to each and every Sunday, we might proclaim his, truly proclaim his good works. Yes, in the corporal works of mercy, but also in the spiritual works of mercy, we focus on the corporal because that was the question. But certainly, Mark, by using the word story, we must understand that, that, yeah, it's not a story we can't get out of it. (laughs) Megyn Kelly, as much as she might try, will never be able to remove herself from her own story. Right, it's right. only by bringing God into her own narrative each and every day will her story begin to make sense. Mark, everything we do truly is our storytelling of how much God is in us or not in us, right? That, and that's St. Augustine. So um, so you bring in this point, and I, I, I think it's great, and I love, love, love that uh, I haven't seen that interview. I look forward to watching that one. Uh, Father Schmitz had the beautiful opportunity to engage her. Um, God be praised. Mark, um, 
I just want to say one more thing before I know we're going to get into another aspect of Sunday, which is just what should my Sunday look like? Because yeah, that's the yeah, question. Right, and right. Dr. Crowd, what should my Sunday work like? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and that's this, Mark, that um, it is in our human nature to desire comfort. But saintly greatness is never comfortable, right? Because service is never convenient, if you follow so God wants us to be uncomfortable that in the end we might bring comfort to others. Entering into that, into that reality really does, I, I think, set us up for um, what I want to talk about with respect to Sunday. Because Sunday has become the day of just personal comfort. We recline our, on our lounge chairs and I, I did do some homework, actually, Mark, before this program because I knew it was going to come up and I was just flabbergasted by this. Um, I think it's, see, now I forget the number, but something like 17 of, of the 18 top programs last year watched were NFL football games, okay, um, sure. which is so striking to me um, because it highlights that, that Sunday worship, and I, I shouldn't say Sunday worship is, is, has been replaced by watching you know nfl football because you do both uh, you can do both but the reality that this is how we're spending our sundays you know post mass or, or pre-mass uh, and this is a challenge to you me all of us mark yeah. right yeah well, um, we, because we talk sports it, all the it, time with yeah, it's, it's part it's, of our story and our, how we grew up yeah yeah culturally you're right you bet so to to be able to get out of that comfort a little bit and begin to live Sunday as it ought to be lived. And this, and this, by the way, I'll go back to paragraph 2186, um, the catechism, because it notes here, um, uh, by devoting time and care to their families and relatives, often difficult to do on other days of the week. So there, the catechism is highlighting that, um, you know, the, the good works that we do on Sunday um, should take place right in our homes. That indeed, you know, with every other day filled up with constant, Mark, you know it, projects, tasks, errands, all of it, observing the Sabbath rest forces us to set aside that busyness and enter into not more shopping or more yard work or more bills. Man, culpa, I'm like, I'm not above this by no means. Right, right. <laughs> but really entering more fully into the Sabbath and, and, and laying out your Sundays, Mark, you know, we, we plan every other day, right? And maybe we say, well, Sunday is a day we don't have to plan. But, but why not, you know, say, okay, uh, what family or friend are we going to go visit today? Who are we going to play, I don't know, volleyball with today? Who are we going to play a good game of gin rummy with today? Who are we going to sit down and, um, you know, play music with today? Whatever it be that it be set aside once again to enjoy just not the leisurely company of others but mark a leisurely company and this is really important to understand one that is influenced by um a real sense of holiness that there's holy conversation and and sometimes holy conversation can be amusing for sure you know i mean back and forth give and take joke telling whatever it might be but it's it's ordered to holiness and i think Entering into that, what does that look like? Certainly, is 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 something that we need to be thinking about on Sundays. Well, Joe, what comes to mind too, you know, and we talked about um, for anybody who, who who may have been, if the regular listeners to awaken insights into our family, 
you know, we certainly grew up uh, very sports-minded. Um, you know, we, we, we were only too happy to engage in uh, sports all day, every day. I mean, school was a nuisance <laughs> in that regard growing up. But um, I even go back, to, so now growing up, because I, and I think it's part of what's important is so engaging the now versus what we remember growing up 35 years ago, even 40 years ago as kids, acknowledging we're in a different time. You know, we're, how we have to engage the world, how, to, how we engage and try to live out our faith. In some ways, it's going to look different. You know, um, we've talked about it in some, to some degree. Aspects of the culture are more aggressive now than 35 years ago. You know, even access to information and communication you know joe 40 years ago generally speaking there weren't nearly as many channels on a tv as there as there are now right now you have smart tv and you have access to like five different kinds of tv programming you know versus just regular cable and all those things my my point and how we um sometimes sometimes the engaging Sunday is to shut the TV off um, because it is not as restful. You know, for, so for me, you know, I like the San Diego Chargers. I like the Chargers. I like watching them. Of course, we're in a neighborhood where here most people, it's all about the Vikings. They love the Vikings. And if you're on the Western okay, part Mark, of our listening Mark, area. You said, you said San Diego Chargers, which I, I fully see, appreciate. Because but <laughs> it's the Los Angeles Chargers. I know. I, I know. <laughs> So true, though it's, it's it's Los Angeles Chargers, which goes to show I, my unacceptance which of the move to Los Angeles. I, oh well, I, I was going to affirm you and just say it's the fact that you don't follow the Chargers anymore. No, I, I, I don't follow them as much, uh, right? Um, and of course, you know, so locally, Vikings or the Broncos, western side of the listen area, you know, those things. My point being, though, is how many of us, after watching a game, our disposition, our internal disposition. Is not one of rest. We're stressed. We're even mad, you know, yeah. depending on, on how we've engaged the game and our team lost or won or they blew it or this, that, you know. Um, and I appreciate, um, and the Viking fans, it's not unusual to say, oh, they're my worst heartbreak, <laughs> you know, in that they'll, yeah. they'll stay committed and if they lose, whatever. But the disposition, we need, we do need to acknowledge like some of these things. So in and of itself, is it bad to watch TV on Sunday? No, but if it's changing our disposition, then maybe we do need to shut it off. Or in this case, you know, children's sports. You know, a couple of my kids have experienced when their sporting events are on Sunday, um, and this is you know like city league, school league, uh, but they're doing Sunday morning. Joe, you know, these things are they're happening Sunday morning. On your way huh. to Mass, it's not unusual to find uh, baseball games going on. You know, yeah. football yeah. games. You know, I've told you know, my youngest son, Dominic, it's fifth grade. You know, um, it's, I hope and pray it's a growing experience for him. To learn. There's been Sunday morning games, and I'm just like, Dominic, I'm sorry, brother, you're not going. You're not going to go, buddy. And he's like, what? You know, and I don't blame his frustration. It's an opportunity with his friends. It's all opportunities of good, but not when it's above the greatest good. Not when you start to compromise. You know, and, and those have been some real experiences for us. Those experiences might look different for other people. 
Um, and Joe, and this is where I appreciate you said mea culpa. It's not that we get it right every time. Uh, we're working on it. We try. Um, but it is, it is, it's, an, it's, it's an interesting dynamic. It might look a little bit different depending what's, you know, how the family engages their activity, whatever their family activity is. It could be going to, uh, if, if there's a school play or even going to a movie that starts Sunday, like, but you're not going to, you'll go to the movie. It could be a good movie, but if you're not going to be going to mass or if you're not engaging uh, family and the, an opportunity of just being with people and being with the Lord. Um, I think that's mm-hmm. what's, that's what's at the heart of it. Yeah, that's right, Mark. And, and, you know, so we can list a number of items, but it's not just what you do, but the matter in which you enjoy one another's company, because that's the mystery of the rest. That's the mystery of the leisure, the manner in which we participate in, in God's created good. Right. Um, you know, as the questions asked, Mark, what would be things to do? You know, um, we've certainly suggested some things, family games, family activities. I think going uh, for a hike too, Joe. I mean, I was just gonna, I was just creation. gonna say, yep, go to you know, go to your local park or go for a hike. Yeah, I was just gonna say, I, I, you know, that's something that Jackie and I certainly love to do, and and with the kids, just if it's not going to the local park or going hiking, um, we had the recent uh, chance to go up to Cuyahoga Falls, which is beautiful. Uh, but for us here in Northeast Ohio, yeah, right, <laughs> with all right. of Jackie's side of the family, we. Uh, also get a chance, you know, my mother and father-in-law, you know, they have a farm. And so we go to the farm and the cows and just hang out on the farm and all the acreage that they have. It's, it's just, it's a beautiful thing to really, truly experience God's creation. Um, and also a few other things, you know, visit a friend you haven't seen in a while. I, I think that's something important to do. You know, maybe it's taking time to read a book you haven't read. A good, yeah. a good Joe, Catholic book, you know. I, Joe, I'm going to have to cut yeah. you off because we got to take a break here soon. But I like, I want to pick up on this when we come back before we dive into our Saint of the Day. Just to continue, continue to give what a couple ideas can be. So stay with us on Awaken. Good stuff, Joe. Yeah, no, this is, this is, this is really good. I, Mark, I liked your point about just the the reference how you phrased it you know wanting out of her story um that's that's a good way to look at it because it's speaking of provocative it really you know the word provoc it's funny we we just we always tie it to sexual has like a sexual context but really it just means to call forth or to 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 actively yeah well, yeah, I mean, to to to, in, to intentionally call something out or call something forth. Yeah. Um, now, certainly, pornography does that in its own way, but it's the the word itself. It's just funny, like it in its origin, it really didn't have any of that context or reference. <laughs> so um, so much is the case now. <laughs> well, with the a lot over of sexualization yeah. and stimulation of too much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Joe, this is, um, gosh, all kinds of things that we've been sharing today tie right into Blessed Franz Jongenstatter. This is well, and beautiful. I did take a peek, Mark, at Blessed Franz more de- in more detail, and and it does. There's a lot there. I mean, it's really a continuation of our conversation with his bio. Yeah, I think we're we're good to go. It's funny, right before you, you said when you stop, I'm like, huh, we've been on the second session for a while. I look down, it's eight thirty, and I'm like, yeah. 
we're gonna we need to wrap, I need to wrap this up. <laughs> so, and then you said that like okay. Ah. No, I don't but, have my typical clock, you know, and my I don't have it out that I usually bring out. And, I, and are are you hearing Teresa give the signals? Oh, I'm not, Mark. Okay. I'm not hearing okay. her. Yeah. Okay, and that's so I am, and I didn't think you were. Which uh, no worries. Well, I'll I'll hint that when we say I have a couple minutes left, I'll I'll give that hint. Uh, no, I mean it, it's actually hit and miss, Teresa. It's hit and miss that he does. Thanks for starting your day with us. Now, back to more Awaken, right here on the Real Presence Radio Network. Welcome back to Awaken. If you're just tuning in, we are talking about uh, really the gift of Sunday, building from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 12, verses 9 to 14. And we're just giving out ideas, like what are some things that we can do on Sunday that can really engage in the, the true nature of rest? Uh, and, and Joe, I, I was liking, you know, just the image of going to the farm, you know, of course, that's going to resonate here in the upper Midwest, you know, yeah. it, it's, it's home, you know, and there's just something yeah. that's very, very, not just intuitive, but that to go home is a place of, of real rest. You know, I know for me, you're talking about your in-laws, my in-laws, Meredith is a farm girl. And so to go to her parents has always been a restful experience for me. Um, now when she, you know, she's one of seven girls. So when all the girls are home, uh, it's a different kind of rest, <laughs> right? Um, with yeah, all the kids sure. and grandkids, uh, cousins playing, but this is it though. It's cousins visiting, playing, it's re-engaging family, it's re-engaging your roots. And of course, ultimately, uh, not just the physical roots of family. And this is what's at the heart of what the Lord is intending. But then, too, the, those, the ultimate roots of our faith, you know, in the, the family of God, you know. Um, but this is what the, the, the nature of family is supposed to reflect and reveal that, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. that's what we're called to, you know. So for those families, well, that's not my family experience. It's like, I get it. But this is what we're called to. And it just ties right into our point earlier, Joe, in the nature of our story and how there's no escape from our story. And yet what we're called to is that our story would unfold to, into God's story. And this is where I love to play on the word history, right? His story. And so how we enfold ourselves into his story, Lord, not my will, but may my will be one with your will. And um, so there's just all kinds of things that tie into the, that gift of the importance of rest. But I really liked some of the practical ideas and simple ideas that you were sharing, Joe, before the break. Um, yeah, yeah and just yeah, just to just to wrap that up, Mark, um, that we take time out to to do very specific things, um, it, just not the corporal works of mercy, uh, certainly on the heels of of mass, but um, that the corporal works of mercy and making sure that we're spending quality time with our brothers and sisters in Christ, that um, truly Jesus, truly Jesus wants us to say that uh, I have come that no longer will anyone be your stranger, that even our friends are no longer our strangers, or rather family no longer are strangers. Um, So again, whether it be the family games, family activities, going to the local park, the farm, going for a hike, 
you know, visiting a friend you haven't seen in a long time, reading a, a good quality book. And Mark, that, I bring that up because I've been talking with people and I'm hearing more and more people say, I haven't read in a while. I think something that's happened is the iPhone, the smartphone, and, and how it's being utilized to be informed on the ongoings of the day, we, we just find ourselves reading less and less, I would, I would venture to guess, as a culture. And we need to recapture that, that sense of, of needing to read. And, and we can say we read on the phone, and it, we need to pick up a book. It, you know, you talk about the farm and... Billy Mark Americana, what is wholesome, what is good, being true to our nature, all that. Just, you know, sitting down, picking up a good book, reading, reflecting, a book that certainly reflects God, or if it's a, a novel, a novel that is wholesome and engaging for all the right reasons, um, to take time out to, I think it's important, engaging, engaging them, just not the heart, but also the mind for sure. Um, you know, something certainly our kids like to do is going out for ice cream. <laughs> they would like that yeah, Sunday tradition yeah. to be every day. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, there's an ice cream, there's an ice cream shop, you know, downtown where we live. And, um, you know, there's a park nearby. And, and so one's with the other. But it, again, in principle, Mark, the idea is not just what you do, but but how you go about doing it and, and the disposition you're in, you know, and a disposition certainly that is going to be what it needs to be if we're doing everything we need to be doing the rest of the week. Um, which is to say, before we get to our St. Mark, this would be my last thing, is just that when we talk about Sunday, what we do on Sunday is going to impact everything else from Monday to Saturday. And we need to be mindful of that because if Sunday is just another day, then so is Monday to Saturday. And that is, um, that's a dangerous place to be in the spiritual life, for sure. Well, Joe, there's a saying here. So there's a group in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and the Catholic Men's Business Fraternity. And we've we've had guests from that group regularly with, with some of our local programming. But they have a great saying, you know, taking Sunday into Monday. You know, and, and it ties into, you know, so much I of like our world is taking Monday into Sunday. You know, and this, yeah. is, this is part of my concern, of course, right, with, you know, okay, there's there's these sporting events and there's a call to commitment for children and let alone adults that are flat out in competition to the commitment of the faith, you know, and this, this is a problem. It's disordered. And so, uh, but that what we do need want to be reminded of is that Sunday into Monday, they part of the aspect of our faith was always meant to in engaging the Lord, making the Lord, you know, making God the Lord of our life, and that things would be brought into right order. And really, you could say into the initial order of God's divine plan and in God's creation, right? Where God at, at is, is center stage. He's the creator, you know, and yet he, and he loves us so much. He gives us the grace and gift of, of, of free will and the ability to choose and what responsibility there is in the gift given to us to have that ability to choose and to know right from wrong. Um, so you have all these things that work that tie into the story of creation. And so the Lord's brilliance of giving us Sunday to really restore his creation, to restore us and to renew us. And so there's just so much there, but it's countercultural, Joe. It's just so countercultural to the time we're in, but it's not hopeless. And that's what I want to 
Uh, I want to go to our saint now, Joe, because I think he is a fabulous example of what we are talking about. And when the tides seem strong, the tides of, of sin, the tides of, of an atheistic culture, uh, the tides of all these things that can be rather overwhelming, um, and I know you and I have had our conversations as we pray through, but it's not just you and I. So many of us, uh, even even those who may not consider themselves faithful or religious, are sensing what is going on. All that was normal is, not, is does not seem to be normal. Well, it's because certainly the, the influence of a godless culture wanting to, you know, take out Sunday. Uh, this this sacred day, but for us to remember, Sunday isn't going anywhere in, as far as the, yeah. the Sabbath, and yeah. but we need to allow ourselves to really be influenced by Sunday, to let the mass affect us, let ourselves be rested up and affected. That it's not a failure, it's not unsuccessful to not work on Sunday. You know those some just some of those lies that are out there. Uh, our saint of the day, if you will, Blessed Franz Jagerstatter, if I'm saying that right, Jagerstatter. Um, I'm sure if I had an Austrian accent, it would be much better, Joe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I want to talk a little bit about him because of the example he is. And it's it's really interesting, really interesting, Joe. So he's born in 1907. He was born as what would some would say an illegitimate child because he was born out of wedlock. Um, he grew up in a small town, kind of a, a, a farm town in Austria, and was um, kind of known as a wild child growing up as a teenager. Um, he grew up in the Catholic faith. Uh, he took on his his father's uh, surname. That's where the Jagatstatter came come comes from. Um, but as as a teenager, also he he in turn uh, had a child out of wedlock but then married another woman, a woman who would uh, ground him. Her name was Francesca. He got married as a young adult and was um, really just started taking his faith seriously and his, his faith just changed. He, um, regular mass goer, daily mass goer, started developing a relationship with the local priest, got involved in his own community as far as even a basic level of civic leadership, not like a mayor or something, but just getting involved in the community um, had three children, uh, and they and he he off he offered to adopt the girl, uh, but they their family did not eventually adopt. But I share that only because you see the change of his story. Joe, we're talking about story, right? Um, mm-hmm. Then we see uh, as within his marriage, he has these three three girls. Um, he gets called up in the 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 German draft at this point. He's living during World War II, and right before World War II began, or beginning World War II, Germany is seeking to annex uh, Austria. And it was known, again, and he, he claims and credits his faith as instrumental in, um, he was the only adult in his village that voted against the annexation. He was the only adult. So everyone else voted for uh, Germany's annexation of Austria, so then Austria would be brought under uh, German rule and under German uh, the, the Nazi regime. And in this, he starts. He's writing. He he is a pretty prolific writer, Joe. Not that he wrote books, but just in writing letters as a point of communication. 
He gets invited into the, the to German army. He's just learning about what the German army seems to be about in regards to its Nazi, Nazi regime. Uh, he does go through boot camp. And then it was through his experience at boot camp that he really saw it for what it was, saw the Nazi regime for what it was. He came back and he said, as a Catholic, I can't in good conscience go back to that. And I don't know how as um, what he's seeing around him. He's going to Mass on Sunday, Joe, and he's seeing these different people, uh, other Catholics, that are uh, going with the flow, right? Yeah. And so he's starting to engage conversation with uh, the people around him. And he starts getting, um, well, the authorities around him start getting pushy and he's talking to his wife and he's sharing with his wife, like, this is not good, you know? And while, while a lot of our surrounding is kind of bowing down and coalescing with what's going on, I can't. If I, and he says, if I get called back, I'm going to have to deny going back. And I know what that might mean. That might mean I'm going to die. Well, for the sake of time, Joe, he does get called back. He he tries to uh, bow out. He even, you know, he had good relationship with their mayor, who had a little bit of sway, but essentially the Nazis got him and they imprisoned him. And after he continued to deny uh, being active as a Nazi soldier, he would would be eventually be beheaded. And then so he was. He was beheaded in 1943. And um, then, why is he blessed? He was beatified in 2007. But Joe, his story, I think, is very, while it's, it's unique, every story is unique, it's very appropriate for our times in so many ways. But in particular, you know, not just because of the social conditions of what we see and what we, you know, whatever thoughts we have, but the social conditions that he dealt with. But how he engaged his pursuit of holiness, Joe, how he brought Sunday to Monday, um, much can be said here, and yet we have three minutes to say it, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's Sunday to Monday, Mark, and I, I do, I love that phrase, by the way. Um, but in saying that, then, you know, to live a life that's countercultural. Uh, living Sunday as we ought, as we've been talking about it, Mark, at these last few programs, truly is to, to live Sunday... Um, that is counter to culture, right? We often use the the word, you know, or phrase sign be a sign of contradiction. You know, the, the word contradiction, contradictum, right? It's, it's against the word, right? <laughs> we are a sign of contradiction to the extent that we enter enter into the mystery of the word, literally speaking, because if the culture itself is in contradiction with the word that is Jesus Christ, contradictum. Uh, that we need to enter into the mystery of the word and everything that that embodies, <clears throat> certainly first and foremost on Sunday, that then everything else that reflects how we live Sunday is uh, contradictum, um, you know, or, or rather countercultural, um, because the culture itself is, is in contradiction or contradictum against the word. So certainly the life of Blessed Franz is, is a life that is... Um, one that was just not Sunday into Monday, Mark, but truly one that in the end was um, a life of holiness. <clears throat> and I raise that point before we wrap up because as we talk about everything we talk about with respect to what it means to keep the Sabbath holy, 
we have to remember and never forget that in the end, it's about holiness. Right? <laughs> he exactly. made the seventh. He made the seventh day hallowed that we might enter into His own holiness, and that mark is is the place from which we will experience the joy, uh, the leisure, uh, the amusement that we so uh, long for, um, and one that cannot be met by. Um, who wins a football game, mea culpa, or who who uh, doesn't make the playoffs or whatever it might be, that we have to take a step back in that virtue of recollection and be willing to ask those those hard questions. And not that we can't enjoy that, so to speak, but as you noted, all things in temperance, all things in moderation, all things in balance. And it's what we strive for. I mean, Joe, <laughs> the witness of Blessed Franz, there's so many things that I know I would have liked to have gone into the things he was accused of. He was, he was accused of being negligent to his duty to his country, to his family, and not just amongst you know Nazi leaders, but he was accused by some of these things amongst his own uh, friends, family, um, and but yet how the Lord God was the Lord of his life. So blessed Franz Jogget's daughter, pray for us. Joe, gift to be with you. And with our listeners, thank you. God be with you. As always, brother. Yes. Peace.